0: Hey kids, it's time for another Just Another Fanboy classic episode. This particular entry is episode number 10, which was originally published on Wednesday, November the 1st, 2006, and in the episode, I give Norman a hug. Enjoy! You're listening to Just Another Fanboy, the only podcast with minty fresh breath. Just Another Fanboy is a Lynx Broadcasting Production. Lynx, like the cat. Meow. Just
1: like Just like Just like Just like
0: Welcome to episode number 10 of Just Another Fanboy. The big one-oh. We're talking double digits here, people. Damn straight. Episode number 10 was recorded on October 31st, 2006, and has been dodging little kids in costumes all night long. That's right, fellow babies, it's Halloween. Well, not by the time you're hearing this, but I just came in from taking the kids all over God's creation for a bucket full of candy we aren't going to let them eat anyway. Ah, who am I kidding They ate it all No the fan on the way home? That's not the point. The point is, is that it was my stepdaughter's 19th birthday on Monday, so everybody say happy birthday to Abby. And speaking of this great milestone, 10 whole episodes, in honor of this grand occasion, I wanted to just take a moment here in front of the world to swallow my pride and give my most sincerest of apologies to my good friend, Norman Oklahoma. Norman's not here now. He's actually in the kitchen with Gary, raiding right the fridge and eating a meatloaf the wife made earlier. So, Norman, Norman, could you come out here for a moment? Could you, could you come out here for a moment, please? See, Norman and Gary don't normally hang out with me here in the living room while I'm recording the show. They they tend to hang out in the kitchen, or what they like to call the green room until their segment comes up. What
2: what 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 the heck do you want?
0: Well, Norman, I I just wanted to say that I was sorry.
2: You're you're sorry?
0: I I'm sorry for making light of all you have to say each week in the the view from Norman, Oklahoma. W uh
2: what seriously?
0: Seriously. You're you really bring a lot to this show each week and it may have taken me ten episodes to notice, but I'm noticing now, man.
2: Oh, uh, well, thank you. You, you know, you're, you're not so bad a guy yourself.
0: Well, thank you, Norman. That That's mighty big of you. I love you, man. What? I love you, man, and I really mean that.
2: Oh, uh, well, thanks. Uh, well, look, look, I, I gotta go now, okay? How about a hug? Oh, uh, well, uh, I don't know about that. Oh, come here, you big Uh, (laughs) love. I love you,
0: man. Uh, I love you, man. I love you, too, man. I love you, too. And now for listeners' feedback. First up is an email from Alexander Dim. And Alexander writes, I am a mild comic book fan, but a huge podcast fan. I download a lot of podcasts each week and the same way you and your friends buy a load of comics. Your podcast is one of the best I have stumbled across. It is tight. Norman and Gary are excellent characters. The music fits and is well matched. I am very impressed. I have been searching for a funny podcast, but stumbled into yours as a comic book podcast. Like I say, I have a mild interest in comics and wanted to hear what was out there. I've listened to several, but I listen to yours each week. Keep up the good work. Wow. Thanks, Alex. You know, that's these are the kind of emails that I love here, especially coming from somebody who normally doesn't listen to comic book podcasts and might not be a huge comic book fan, but are still listening to mine because they find it entertaining. Thanks, Alex. Uh, This next one comes from David, one of the hosts of the Bullpen Bulletins, a great Marvel podcast over at bullpenbulletinspodcast.com. This is a forum post and David says, fantastic. Steven, I drove into work today listening to Episode 7. I loved it. I'm hooked, and it will always have a place in my iPod's queue. Great, great stuff. I'll be back with more feedback, and some of it may consist of sentences bigger than seven words. <laughs> Thanks, David. You know, seven words is fine, because that's about as big as my vocabulary. And now, news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. This week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort is brought to you by the Committee to Put Norman, Oklahoma, into the Office of the President of the United States in 2008. When you think about voting for the next President of the United States, why not take the following into consideration? All the other candidates suck and don't bring anything but complete and bitter hatred for all that is good and beautiful in these United States. So vote for Norman, Oklahoma in 2008, because he doesn't suck.
2: I'm Norman, Oklahoma, and I approve of this message.
0: Titan Books, the leading publisher of licensed entertainment tie-ins, has lined up an enchanting title to coincide with the highly anticipated theatrical release of the Paramount Pictures film Stardust in March 2007. Based on the illustrated novel by famed writer Neil Gaiman and painter Charles Vess, Stardust tells the captivating story of Tristan Thorne, charged to retrieve a fallen star by the woman he wishes to marry, and forced by his vow to journey through the treacherous and magical realm of fairy. The film, written by Jane Goldman and director Matthew Vaughn, features an appropriately stellar cast including Claire Danes, Charlie Cox, Sienna Miller, Ricky Gervais, Jason Fleming, Peter O'Toole with Michelle Pfeiffer and Robert De Niro. Joining Thorne's journey through this uncharted world, Titan has acquired world rights to produce the only official visual companion to the film. Authored by three times World Fantasy Award winner Stephen Jones, Stardust the Visual Companion delves deep into the unsettling and magical domain of the film to bring back all the fantastical secrets from the set. Bound with the complete screenplay, the companion also features an introduction by Neil Gaiman, interviews with the cast and crew, unseen photographs, and beautiful, fully-painted production art chronicling the entire journey from page to screen. The editors at Titan Books are longtime fans of Neil Gaiman's engaging brand of fantasy. Witty, darkly romantic, and unlike any fantasy film yet seen, Stardust promises to launch his profile into the stratosphere. Variety has reported that Marvel Studios has joined with No Equal Entertainment, a Vancouver-based production company, to develop a live-action television series based on Moon Knight. The Marvel Zombies will cross over with one of the most beloved cult franchises of all time, Army of Darkness. Marvel Zombies vs. Army of Darkness is a new five-issue crossover series to come from Marvel Comics and Dynamite Entertainment in March of 2007 bringing the highly popular hero Ashley J Williams of Army of Darkness and Evil Dead fame into the Marvel Zombies world. And on DVD this week, it's A Wonderful Life 60th Anniversary Edition, The Kids in the Hall Season 5, Mission Impossible 3, and SpongeBob SquarePants: Whale of a Birthday. And that was your news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. And now my comic book picks of the week. From DC this week, we have 52, number 26, written by Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, and Mark Wade. Breakdowns by Keith Giffen, covers by J.G. Jones. The story of the year continues in four more chapters of America's only weekly superhero adventure. In this issue, how altruistic can you be when you're funded by LexCorp? Plus the origin of Hawkman by Wade and Joe Bennett. Blue Beetle number 8, written by Keith Giffen and John Rogers, art by Cully Hammer, cover by Duncan Rolo. Escaping his way too high visibility in El Paso, the Beetle hits the road looking for a- answers from the Scarab's original owner. But it ain't a road trip without a few speed bumps. Detective Comics number 825, written by Royal McGraw, art by Marcos Mars and Luciana Del Negro, cover by Simone Bianchi. The enigmatic Dr. Phosphorus is back in a story by rising stars Royal McGraw, Marcos Mars, and Luciana Del Negro. Alex Sartorius was believed to be dead, but rumors of his death have been greatly exaggerated. Now, more powerful than ever, Dr. Phosphorus seeks to enact revenge on crime boss Rupert Thorne, and only one man can stop his reign of terror. The Batman! Justice League of America number 3, written by Brad Meltzer, art by Ed Benes, and Sandra Hope. Cover by Michael Turner. Variant covers by Chris Sprouse and Carl Story. The reformation of the League continues, and one of the new members comes up against the latest and deadliest of the JLA villains, Dr. Impossible. And he's just one of the many sinister forces gathering to bring an end to the world's greatest superheroes. And for Marvel this week, we have Criminal Number no. 2, written by Ed Brubaker, art by Sean Phillips. Leo has re- reluctantly joined on for the heist to end all heists, but nothing is what it seems, and when this job falls apart, it's in a hail of bullets and double-crosses that leave him shattered. What will he do next? Run for his freaking life! But will anywhere be safe when the cops and the bad guys are all after him? And those were my comic book picks of the week. You can view the entire list of comics being released on November 1st on the boards. And I still have my challenge thrown out to one and all to... Change Steven's mind. My own little throwing down of the gauntlet to all you indie lovers out there who think I need a little taste of the unknown in my comics reader diet. Just email me or look for the thread on the message board and try to sell me on an indie book that you think needs to be read. If you can convince me, I'll drop a book that I'm currently getting and pick up your recommendation. So, if you think you can do it, take a moment to Change Steven, Steven, Steven my. My, 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 my. And now, the low-rent fanboy tip of the week.
2: If you got the money I've got the time. We'll go honky talking and we'll have a time. We'll make all the nice spots. dance, drink, beer, and wine. If you got the money, honey,
0: I've got the time. This week's tip comes from Miskatonic. I hope I'm pronouncing that right? From the boards who suggests that the best way for low-rent fanboys and girls to try to read old books without shelling out a lot of cash would be to try to save a little each week and then buy some essentials or showcase editions. Marvel and DC have taken issues from their older books and collected them in giant black-and-white editions. Marvel calls theirs essentials, and DCs are called showcase. Check them out when you get a chance. Miskatonic also suggests the 40 Years DVDs from Eagle One Media, 450 plus books for fifty dollars you're right you just can't beat that and that was this week's low rent tip and now at the movies with Gary Indiana
1: Where, hey uh, hang, uh, hang.
2: Howdy folks! Gary Indiana here with another contest. But first, I'd like to announce last week's winner. I actually had two correct guesses from last week. Uh, one from Justin out of Missouri and one from Chris way up in Canada. They both correctly identified last week's line as coming out of the movie Silverado. But since I got two correct responses and I can only have one winner, it looks like I'm just going to have to pull a name out of my hat. So, the winner in last week's At The Movie With Gary Indiana game is... Uh, Can I get a drum roll, please? Justin from Missouri. Congratulations, Justin. Your prize will be on its way soon. And now, this week's movie quote. My brother and I used to say that drowning in beer was like heaven, eh? Now he's not here, and I got two soakers. This isn't heaven. This sucks.
0: Do you think you know the movie? Write us here at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com and submit your guess to win a $10 iTunes gift certificate. This week on Heroes, a spoilerific look at the latest episode of Heroes on NBC. Okay, so Peter talks to Hiro Nakamura on the phone and tells him that he needs to get to New York so they can see what can be done about saving the cheerleader. Here's the deal, though. They have no idea who or where the cheerleader is. Peter has all of Isaac's paintings up on the wall after he notices that they fit together like the panels of a comic book, and then realizes that there is a panel or painting missing. Isaac can't recall what was on the painting, as he was all smacked out at the time, but he can remember that his girl took it with others to be sold, so now Peter has to track her down. Meanwhile, Mohinder has finally left for India. Eden, the girl that's been helping him, tries to talk him into staying, and even goes as far as to laying a big sloppy wet one on him before he leaves. HRG, which stands for Horned Rim Glasses, has apparently contacted Claire's birth parents, and they come over for a visit. While they are there, HRG gets a phone call from none other than Eden, whom I did say from week one would turn out to be a a bad one, right? I did say that, right? Anyway, one point to me. Anyway, she tells HRG that Mohinder left for India, but she knows he'll be back. Then she tells him about Peter meeting a man from the future who tells him to save the cheerleaders, save the world, to which HRG has a little moment where he stares off camera dramatically before telling Eden to take care of the precog, which would be Isaac. Hero and his buddy are caught once more by the High Roller, who talks him into participating in a high-stakes poker game, and he wants him to cheat to help him win his money back. At one point during the game, Hero and his friend go to the restroom, and a woman shows up. We don't see who the woman is, though, but we can hear what's going on and what happens from the perspective of Hero from in the bathroom. Anyway, a woman shows up and kills everybody in the room, sparing Hero and friend, because, well, they're hiding out in the bathroom. We find later that the woman who came in and slaughtered all these people was uh, Nikki's other half, and that uh, the men she just killed knew D.L. See, she has to kill them because D.L. was too close to learning the truth. Which brings us to Nikki and D.L. Nikki's husband, D.L., shows up claiming that he's innocent. He tells her that, sure, he planned the robbery of $2 million, but then he backed out at the last second. Then some woman came along, stole the money, murdered his crew and framed him. And now he's back to find this woman and clear his name. Yeah. Well, guess what? That woman is Nikki's evil half in an odd scene where Nikki has a conversation with herself. Her dark side convinces, confesses to the whole scheme and tells Nikki, she has to get the money and take her kid as far away from DL as possible because he's going to take their son away. So she gets the money. DL catches her. She switches to the dark side, and they have a fight. This is when we learn uh, that is, anyone not reading the weekly online comic uh, on NBC.com learned that DL can pass through o- phase-through objects like Kitty Pride from the X-Men. DL puts his hand through Nikki's chest, she passes out, and he grabs the kid and the money and runs. The show ends when Eden comes a knocking on Isaac's door, and that was this week on Heroes. And now, this week on the Podcast Spotlight. That's right, fellow babies, a new segment, the Podcast Spotlight. I had a lot of fun pimping out the bullpen bulletins last week, so I'm making it a new segment. I call it the Podcast Spotlight, and here we go. Kick the music. So this week, I'd like to shed a little light on one of my new favorite podcasts, Quiet Panelologists at Work. You can find this podcast at panelologists.com. That's P-A-N-E-L-O-L-O-G-I-S-T-S dot com. So how can I describe this show? Well, I'll just read from their site. The Quiet Panelologists at Work podcast offers a unique view into the minds of two U.K.-based comic book collectors, The panelologists attempt to give us a brief lowdown on the best comic books available over the last two weeks, but usually move off topic and discuss anything that may pop into their heads instead. It's funny, witty, mostly bizarre, and always unprepared, the true antidote to the comic book podcast that may contain any useful information, reviews, news, and show format. Anyway, as I said, this is one of my favorites. It's damn funny, and I laugh out loud at least 3.5 times in each episode. So check them out, panelologist.com, and tell them that Stephen sent you. Well, I guess that means it must be time for The View from Norman, Oklahoma, a weekly segment in which our resident bitter old fanboy pisses and moans about the comic book industry, or just anything else that generally pisses him off. Ladies and gentlemen, Norman, Oklahoma.
2: Okay now, now this week I'd like to talk about the complete lack of patience I have for political election ads. Now I'm not sure how it's done in other countries, but here in America, voting time is a-coming. And I am sick to death of every single dang ad that clogs up my television screen and interrupts my lounging about time. I wouldn't mind as much if the ad for a particular candidate wasn't more than just a platform telling us how much the other candidate sucks. And that's how each and every one of them are. Okay, so I get like 10 to 12 minutes of showtime, and then we get an ad for tweezers. Then a commercial where candidate number one tells us that candidate number two is a big horse's ass, so you better vote for candidate number one instead. Then we get an ad for pantyhose. Then a commercial for candidate number two telling us how big of an ass candidate number one is, so you better vote for candidate number two. Well, I'm tired of it. I'm sick of the ads. It makes me want to just give the whole voting thing a miss and stay home and drink a beer or seven. Anyway, that's it. Thank you.
0: Okay, thank you, Norman. You know, I'm going to try to ignore the obvious fact here, which is uh, that you yourself, you know, of course, have an ad right up at the start of the episode where you pretty much do what you're bitching about here. But like I said, I'm going to try to ignore that and move on. Anyway...
2: You nitwit! That's what we would like to call a social commentary. You know, I can't believe
0: I hugged you. Okay, sorry, Norman. Ass. Oh, okay... Anyway, and now for Stephen's Song of the Week. This week's song is an old favorite of mine. This one, like last week's song, comes also out of a Lawrence, Kansas band from way back in the 90s. The band was called Danger Bob, and the song is the Duchovny Anderson Fight Song. Enjoy! So this brings another ear tweaking episode to a close. If you liked uh, my choice of the song for the week, you can check out in- info on danger Bob over at lawrence.com slash bands slash danger underscore Bob. So please take a moment to show me how much you love and care for the show, please. You can do that in four ways. You could send me an email at just another fanboy at gmail.com. You could sign up and post at the message board at pythonland.com slash fanboy. You can go to Podcast Alley at PodcastAlley.com, search for just another fanboy, and vote for the show. Or you could find the show on iTunes and write a review. Of course, you could also just be the ultimate fanboy and just do all four. The theme song for the show is Comic Book by the Super Spies. Find it and information about the band at GarageBand.com. The rest of the music comes from... Uh, the, the, the Boy, I screwed the pooch on that, didn't I? The rest of the music from this week's episode comes from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. So until next week, I'm Stephen, and I'm just another fanboy. <laughs>
1: Bye, Daddy. Good job. (gasps)